uh, is looked at the majority of the time, but I want to try my best to be obedient to what the Lord has put on my heart. If you'll pray for us, that the Lord will help us tonight. Psalm 84, and I want to read verse number 10. The Bible says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I'm interested tonight, if the Lord will help me for just a few minutes on this word here, a doorkeeper. And uh, I want to ask you the question tonight, and the Lord has really burdened my heart with this today, on who's keeping the door. Now, the, the word doorkeeper here literally means guardian of the threshold. It is the only time in the entire Word of God that the word doorkeeper is mentioned. It's here in Psalm 84 and verse number 10. There's another place in 2 Kings, I believe it is, chapter 25 and verse number 18 where it's said that they were keepers of the door. And that's what the word doorkeeper is. It's a keeper or a guardian, or a watch caretaker of the door. Now here in the Scriptures, we're not told who the author is, the human penman of Psalm 84, but we are told that it is a psalm for the sons of Korah. Now you and I know that story and understand what took place with Korah, he had decided that there need to be somebody else to lead the people of God. And, and he rose up against Moses and the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Ask them who's on the Lord's side and if you are, to gather yourself unto me. And so there was a crowd that when Moses went out and he asked this question, who's on the Lord's side, that the majority of the children of Israel gathered themselves unto Moses but then there was a few that had favored Korah and had assembled themselves with Korah and when all the people that were on the Lord's side separated themselves from Korah the Bible said that the earth opened up and swallowed them up and they vanished from their sight and they saw them no more now it's recorded in the scriptures that the sons of Korah sided with the Moses, the man of God rather than with their father. And so they have lost their spiritual leader. They have lost their instructor. They have lost their God. Matters not what he was. Matters not how he failed. The position has been left void in the lives of the sons of Korah. And so we look through the Psalms and there are several that have the heading for the sons of Korah and they always seem to be instructional or exhortational psalms concerning the goodness and the grace of God and so here in Psalm 84 whoever 
with a human penman is under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He is looking at the sanctuary and talking about how wonderful that it is inside the house of God. That there is nowhere else like the house of God. He said a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. Now what that means in our terminology is that one day in the house of God is better than a thousand anywhere else. That's what the writer's saying. I think he's admonishing the sons of Korah to stay in the house of God. To stay around the things of God. And so he writes a day in my courts is better than a thousand. And he says I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He said I'd rather stand just inside the door of the house of God than to be slapped in the middle of the greatest house the world could ever afford. And so that brings to light this worker, this job, this person that kept the door. Now you say you're preaching to me Old Testament terminology. Well, let's go to the book of Acts where Peter is, or not in the book of Acts, but in the Gospels when Peter follows far off as the Lord has been arrested and tried. And the Bible said the girl, the maiden that kept the door said to Peter, surely you were with him. And so it's all through the word of God this position about keeping the door now I want to say I'm going to preach how the Lord's put it on my heart a door has two purposes it's to keep out and to keep in that's what a door does. When we go home, we open the door and we go in. And if we have little kids behind us, we shut the door and often lock the door to keep what's out there from getting in and to keep what's in here from getting out. Now when we come to the house of God, we come in and we shut the door. Why is that? Because we want to stay in and we want all that to stay out. But I'm wondering in these days who is keeping the door. If that is the job, if that is the use, if that is what the door is designed for, if that is the purpose to keep out and to keep in, then surely it's a very important thing and somebody needs to keep the door. I began to think the Lord began to deal with my heart today about keeping the door and there, if there is some things that we want in and there are some things we want out then there are some things we ought to keep the door because that we want to keep in and then there are some reasons we ought to keep the door because we want to keep it out and the Lord put two things to keep in and he put three things to keep out on my heart I'm going to preach them to you about the best I can by his help and trust that it will help your heart and maybe stir your heart like it has mine. I want to say this evening that we ought to be willing to keep the door because of the church. 
We all desire what we have in here uh, to remain in here. Uh, Now that's not saying that we ought not to go out uh, and to share the light, to shine our light. I'm not talking about all that. Uh, But I'm talking about guarding uh, what God has blessed us with. Uh, We ought to take a good long, and I'm saying we. uh, I take it for granted as much as anybody else from time to time. Uh, But oh Lord, help us uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit uh, to take a good long look at what God has blessed us with at Gospel Way Baptist Church and it ought to stir something down on the inside of us and somebody ought to be willing to keep the door to keep what we have in the church I believe that's right how God's blessed us with unity we ought to keep it in the church the Bible said behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said it's like the dew that descended on Hermon that gave that valley its life. When the dry times came, the dew gave life. He said it's like the anointing, the oil that was on Aaron's head, run down to his beard, even the skirts of his garment. He said unity among the brethren is as precious as the holy anointing of the priest in the Old Testament. We ought to endeavor to keep it. Unity does not just happen. It has to be kept. Unity is not self-maintained. There has to be some effort put forward. And the reason there has to be effort put forward is because we live in the flesh. And we don't always see eye to eye. And sometimes we get our feelings hurt. And sometimes we think somebody ought to have done something different than they did. Sometimes we think, well, they ought to have spoke to us a different way. Or maybe they didn't speak to us at all. Or maybe they forgot to shake our hand. And you say, preacher, that's petty. That's all the way the flesh thinks we got to shut it out and shut in the unity and guard what we have in the church. Oh, yeah. A united church is a power. A united church is under the touch and the unction, the, the workings of the Holy Spirit is a force to be reckoned with. The Lord will not bless a church that's out of unity. The Lord will, cannot move in a church where there's division. Paul said that there should be no schism in the body, no separation, no division, but that every member ought to have the same care one of another. We ought to guard the door because of the church to keep our unity. We ought to guard the door. Now you understand what I'm saying tonight. I'm not saying that you and I can do anything to manifest or to make God show up, but the Lord has surely blessed us around this place and we ought to guard the door to keep the atmosphere right where God can show up and help us. We've been requesting prayer for lost loved ones. What if they come through the door and you and I have failed to keep the atmosphere right and failed to guard what we have here and the Lord don't show up? I know it's all in God's plan. I know He's in control, but you and I better do our part and some. Somebody better keep the door. Because of the church. Then I want to say somebody ought to keep the door because of the children. Oh yeah. What the Lord. I'm just preaching tonight. It's just us around here. 
I mean, it's just us, and I'm preaching to us. Not to you, to us. I'm trying my best to deliver to us what God has put on my heart, and we better take a good long look at how many children we have at Gospel Way Baptist Church, and somebody better be keeping the door for the children's sake. I thought all day as the Lord began to deal with my heart today, and I mean it's been pretty strong and heavy. It didn't come till late in the day, but ever since it come, it's been pretty strong on my heart about preaching on keeping the door. And all day since then, Brother Tim, I've been thinking about what Brother Pace preached about that Syrophoenician woman and how that she had a young daughter that was grievously vexed with the devil, and how he said it was not common, it was not natural for a young girl or a young boy had to be possessed by a devil but that an avenue had to be opened a way of access a gap had to be let down in order for him to come in and possess and the Lord got to deal my heart of the fact she failed to keep the door and I'm telling you the world's out there and it's got its eyes on our children it's got its eyes on our home it's got its eyes on our marriage and I'm telling you somebody that needs to keep the door for the children's sake oh yeah I thought about I mean I I just uh, try my best to preach as it come to me today and I don't know why but the Lord brought this room right here out of my mind while I was thinking today and praying about the service tonight. We don't use this room much over here. I mean, we don't have separate Sunday school classes. We're getting a whole a bunch of kids coming in. It may be time to, I've been praying about it and asking the Lord what He wants. I don't want to do anything that He don't want us to do, but I want to do everything that He does want us to do. But nobody much goes through this door right here. And if I was to open up this door, if I asked you before what was in there, you might be able to tell me a few things but the majority of you would never know everything that's behind that door we got flyer arrangements and replacement reeds for the doors and for the piano there's another piano in there there's a pulpit in there there's a pew in there or was it's out here there's some speakers there's a book there's all kinds of things in there that maybe you don't know about and I wonder in these days about the church have we opened the door and brought in some things and tried to stuff them in the back corner and thought nobody else going to pay no attention that nobody else is going to know they're there that they've crept out of the closet and we've begun to reap the consequences because we failed to keep the door maybe it's affecting our children maybe it's affecting our homes maybe it's affecting you hear me tonight I'm preaching with the touch of God on me I'm not bragging but this is on my heart and i got to preach it tonight what have we stuck in the closet what have we open the door for I thought it wouldn't do any harm and we just stick it in the back but it's come out on us and it's affecting us oh yeah that's what that woman did she never dreamed that by opening you, you, most of you all were here. I don't need to re-preach what Brother Terry preached. But she opened the door to them false gods. And she opened the door to that idol worship. And she opened the door to that Canaanite culture. And she opened the door to everything she steeped in. And she opened the door, no telling what kind of life she lived. Maybe she parted it up at night. Maybe while her daughter was asleep thinking it'd never affect her. And she'd never know. I'm going to tell you, say preacher, I'm not out parting it up. That's not what I'm preaching. 
preaching about tonight uh, but you may have brought some things in in the dark uh, that nobody else knows about and you thought it'd never affect anybody but you and I'm telling you like that woman you're going to find out it'll affect everybody in your house when you fail to keep the door And before she knew it, now she's got a young daughter and she's grievously vexed with the devil. She's not just a little bit vexed. She's not just a little bit possessed. But she's grievously. That word means badly or wholly or totally without any hope. She said, I'm at the lowest point that I could ever get to and it's all my fault. I opened the door. I allowed it to come in. I didn't think it affected anybody but me. And that's the greatest lie the devil's ever sold to church. Is that your sin, your choices will not affect anybody but you. But they'll affect all around you if you let it in. We ought to keep the door for the children. We ought to keep the door for the church. I thought about these kids around here. I mean, we got them from all, all ages, all shapes and sizes. We got them still in a car seat all the way up to going into high school. Boy, the Lord has blessed us. But with great blessing comes great responsibility. And that's what the Lord's reminded me all day today about how, I mean, He's let me look over this congregation. I mean, I look at you every service. But He's let me look through different eyes at how blessed we really are, how good He's been to us. We ought to praise Him and bless His name for what He's done for us and who He's given to us. But at the same time, what a great responsibility to keep the door. We got them little babies, you know. and I mean, we just got really one little baby, but then, you know, they go up from there. And we think, you know, it don't matter about bringing them to the house. I'm not saying you think this. I'm saying this is the mindset. People think, well, it don't matter. You know, as long as I get them in there is when they get a little older and understand. They understand a whole lot more than you comprehend right now. Even while they're laying in that cradle or in that car seat or in mom and daddy's arms or while they're crawling around on the floor, hey, you say, preacher, don't it bother you when, you when they cry? Don't bother me a bit. If I can't raise my voice and preach over a crying youngin', I ought to just sit down and be done anyway. I understand making a mind. That's a whole different ball game. But I'm talking about you bring your kids to church. It'll have an impact and an effect on them. And we got to keep the door for them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's amazing all the things that they're hearing that we don't even know they're hearing. It's amazing all the things they're comprehending that we don't even know they're comprehending. And they may not be fully comprehending, but I'm going to tell you what's happening. The sweet Holy Ghost of heaven is breaking up some soul in that heart, and He's getting it ready for the day when He drops the seed of the gospel in, and we don't know when it falls. You and I have no idea. We don't know when it got in there. We don't know how much water goes on it. We don't know how much the sun shines. All we get to see is when it sprouts and comes up, and they get born again. I thought about not just because she's mine, but the other day, I don't remember what we was doing. If we was in the house or driving down the road, I'm just preaching tonight what kids are picking up on. 
And my least one, who's only two years old, I don't know who she was talking to. She wasn't talking to me and she wasn't talking to her mama, but we was hearing what she was saying. She might have been talking to Loretta or one of the other girls, I assume. Brother Tim, she said, I'm going to preach. I'm going to be daddy. I'm going to preach. And she told Loretta, she said, you're going to be Mr. Tim. And she said, when I preach, you say yes. And when I preach, you say amen. And you say, what did that do to you? It humbled me. It stirred something up in me that she's understanding a little bit more than I comprehend. And I'm telling you, it's not just about me. It's not my responsibility. Oh, Lord, help me. It's not my responsibility to be the example alone to all these children. But it's my responsibility and your responsibility. Whether you kids or not God's given to us in this church and somebody needs to keep the door for the church and the children but then I said the door's there to keep some stuff out and the Lord put three things on my heart real simple I'll give them to you and I'll be done we ought to keep the door tonight because of the adversary the Bible said he's a walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I'm going to tell you what a lion does. It don't go for the strongest one in the herd. It preys on the weak and on the young. And that's what our adversary, he's not going to come to you and try to get you down on your strongest day. He's not going to come at you and try to overcome you when you're your closest to God. When you feel like you've got a direct line between you and God. When you're on the mountain, that's not when He comes. But when you're way down yonder in the valley and you feel like God's forsaken you and God's abandoned you and you ain't been able to pray and when you have, it feels like it ain't getting above your head. That's when the devil comes. That's when the adversary comes. And we ought to look out for one another and understand somebody has to keep the door. Because the adversary's out there. And he's a seeking to devour. That's what he wants to do. And that word devour means to destroy totally. That's what he wants to do. Jesus spoke about being the door. He said, I'm the door of the sheep. Every man that came any other way is the same as a thief and a robber. He said, the good shepherd will give his life for the sheep, but the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what the adversary is seeking to do. He's a seeking to kill and to steal and to destroy. And here's the thing. You hear me tonight. I know this ain't real popular preaching, but it's what the Lord wants tonight. If He can't get you, He'll go to your spouse. And if He can't get your spouse, He'll go for your children. His aim, He doesn't care. Hear me tonight. We don't have an enemy that plays fire. He don't play fire. Matter of fact, Paul told us that in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 when he said to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means deceit, trickery, craftiness, underhanded dealing. He does not play fair and he does not care who he gets as long as he gets somebody. That's exactly right. He doesn't have just a target on you, daddy. 
He's not one of them. He's not a trophy hunter. He don't put his sights on you and when you walk out of range, he just packs up the gun and goes home. He'll shoot anything that walks. And I know that may be a crude illustration, but that's exactly right. If he can't get the best, he'll settle for the next, or the next, or the next matters not to him. So somebody's got to keep the door. Because of the adversary. I want to say because of the evil. There's some evil out there. And it's becoming more and more apparent every day. I'm not uh, trying to preach prophecy. I've not been given that ability. The, the Lord blesses some preachers to understand it. But I have been helped by the Lord to understand a few things. The Lord said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. In Noah's day, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. And we focus on all that and all the wickedness that's out there. But the Bible said, the Lord said in Noah's day, my spirit shall not always Strive with man. As in Noah's day. Now the word strive means to withhold or restrain. And so what the Lord said is there's going to come a day that you're going to pursue the sin, pursue the sin, pursue the sin, pursue the evil, pursue... The Bible said the thoughts of the imagination of the hearts of man were evil continually. There was not a waking hour of the day that they weren't devising some new way to do evil. And finally God had enough. And He said, if that's what you want, you can have it. You say, preacher, God don't deal that way. He did with Israel. They said, we want to be like all the other nations. All the other nations have a king who rules over them. God said, I'm your king. They said, we don't want that. We want to be like everybody else. And they pushed God and they pushed God and they pushed God. And finally God told Samuel, hearken to their words. Give them what they want. Samuel sat down and wept. See, God had it set up that He was the king. He ruled over and he had the prophet, the man of God, to go between him and the people. And so Samuel sat down and wept because God's way had been broken. And God said, get up. They have not rejected you. But they have rejected me. That's what God said. He said, they told me they wanted it so much, I decided to let them have it. Now you look around in this world we're living in. And if God got sorry once before that He had made man, don't you think He's getting a little sorry again? If God got to the point that He said if that's what they want, I'll pull back my restraint and I'll let them have what they want. Can you imagine a world where there is no restraint from the Spirit of God? I'm not talking about unsafe folk. He's not leaving us. But even lost folk, even though they don't understand it, even wicked, exceedingly wicked sinners are somewhat restrained by the Spirit of God and to not let them do more than they're already doing. But there's going to come a day God's going to let them have it. You say, what are we going to do then, preacher? We better be keeping the door. We better be keeping the door. There's evil out there. And it's a seeking to latch on. 
Here's the way the Lord put it to me. And I'm just preaching exactly what the Lord gave me. I know it's simple and to the point, but this is exactly how He gave it to me today. I thought about over yonder in Acts 27. Paul's doing his best. He's gathering a bundle of sticks. And the Bible said a viper came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. I'm going to tell you that's what the evil of the world is wanting to do. They're looking for a crack. They're looking for an avenue. They're looking for some kind of access to slip through and to latch hold on somebody. And I'm going to say tonight, even at our best efforts of keeping the door, I'm not diminishing the responsibility, but even at our best efforts, some things are going to slip through. It's the nature of the world we live in. But when they slip hold... Now, I don't know about in the context of the application. I'm not trying to preach extra context or outside of context. I'm preaching how the Holy Ghost gave it to me today. But if something latches on to us, if something latches on to our husband, our wife, our children, I wonder if we've got a fire built big enough they can shake it off in. Oh, in the Word of God, fire represented one or two things. They either represented the judgment of God or the presence of God. And in Acts 28, it was not the judgment of God. It was the presence of God that was illustrated there, that was typified. And the Bible said Paul just shook it off in the fire and he felt no hurt. The evils of this world are going to try to latch on to our youngins, to our husbands, to our wives, to our parents. It's our responsibility to put some wood on the fire and that they can shake it off and get rid of the stuff. And the only way to have a fire is to bring the wood. And the only way to get the wood is to go out and gather it. There has to be some effort put forth. You say, but preacher, I only got two sticks. There's no excuse. You just bring what you got and put it on the fire. It may be your two sticks today and somebody else has got a wheelbarrow or somebody else got a dump truck and it may be reversed the next week. You may have the dump truck and they may have the two sticks. But if everybody just bring what they got and put it on the fire, it'll do the work in these days. The reality, and I know the context, is about tailbearers and strife among the brethren. But the common sense, even of the Word of God, says where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. Wouldn't have done Paul much good if all there was was just a little bitty bed of coals. Wouldn't have done Paul much good if they had just now started it and they had just getting it to grow, to grow a little bit or burn a little bit. But it must have been big enough that when the stake fell in, it disappeared. Everything was okay. And it can be the same for us today. God will take care of the rest. Say, preacher, what are you preaching? I am preaching that Paul was serving God, that Paul was following the Word of God, that Paul was doing his best for God. And even in the best, the snake lacks stole. It wasn't that Paul was in the snake den. It wasn't that Paul was out yonder in sin. As a matter of fact, it was right there by the heat, warming itself. But I'm glad the fire was big enough when it lacked stole. Paul shook it off. I'm going to tell you, even doing your best, 
living your best. And I know we ain't perfect. We're going to fall. That's not what I'm saying. But doing your best, coming to church faithfully, reading your Bible, praying, there are going to be days that the serpents of this world are going to latch on to you. But God help us. God help me. To be close enough to the fire. To just shake it off and let God handle it. That's what Paul did. Paul, now they were thinking kind of what Paul was thinking just in a different light. <coughs> they, them heathens, them barbarians, what the Bible calls them, didn't know anything about God, idol worshippers. That, that viper come out of that heat and fasten on Paul's hand. And the Bible said they looked and said, this man must be a murderer. And though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered him not to live. He said the vengeance, the, the, the odds... Uh, uh, fate is going to get him one way or the other. That's what they were saying. Now Paul was thinking kind of the same thing except he was thinking, now Lord, you done pro- told me twice before I ever got on board the ship and while I was out there in the middle of that sea uh, that everything was going to be okay. There wasn't going to be a loss of any man's life and it was going to be because of the mercy uh, that you have on me and we've arrived safe to land and here we are, God, in front of all these barbarous people. Uh, surely you're not going to let this snake kill me now after I've come out of the sea. And so he said, I'm just going to shake it off and trust you in it, God. And the Bible said they looked at him and when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly nothing happened. They changed their minds. Said he was a God. But if I know anything about Paul reading between the lines of the Scripture maybe one of them said what are you? Some kind of God? He'd have said no but let me tell you about one. And he went all the way back to where there's out there in the deep for 14 days and nights. They hadn't seen the sun or the stars. They didn't know where they were. How did the angel of God come? How did they ain't threw it all overboard? How did God brought them on broken pieces of the ship? That brought them safely to this land, which by the way was called Melita. And Melita in the Greek means honey. So God gave them some sweetness even after the storm. And in the sweetness, the snake still came. But thank God for the fire and to shake it off. Better keep the door because of the evil, the attacks that are going on. That's what that viper did. It attacked Paul. But Paul knew where to go. That's why the writer wrote, Living below in this old sinful world, where could I go but to the Lord? When them attacks come, and we've done our best to keep the door. But we better get near the fire and shake it off and let God take control. Yes, yes, brother. That's right. Lord, help me tonight. If Paul had been like most Baptists today, and I'm just trying to follow the Lord. If Paul had been like most Baptists today, he'd have found him a corner under a tree to sit down under and whine about the snake coming out of the fire and fastening it on his hand. But Paul knew it wasn't about him, it was about the Lord. And he had seen the faithfulness of the Lord, how the Lord had delivered him from much worse than a snake bite. And I'm telling you and I'm telling me tonight, we better not sit under our tree and weep about the snake bites when God's brought us through so much more than the snake bite. We better shake it off in the fire and go on and keep the door.
And I thought about, and the Lord put on my heart the adversary and the attacks and then the allurements. I'm talking about keeping the door. There's some enticements on our flesh out there that I ain't got no business being in here. We face them enough out there. We need not open the door and let them come in here. See, I've said a long time ago and been a long time maybe since I said it, but I think I'm going to pick it back up again. We ought to get back to calling this place what it is. It's a sanctuary. It's a safe haven, a refuge, a place where we can come in and shut the door on all that and close ourselves in with God. Not have to face all the alert. We have to face it every day. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we still have to walk through the world. And I understand there are some places we should not go. I understand that we can put ourselves in wrong places, in wrong situations. I understand all that. But doing the best we can do, there are still allurements out there every day. I'm going to tell you something. We better never be so high-minded to say, well, they won't never happen to my kid. Or that won't never happen to my family. Or my son will never do it. My daughter will never my home will never. We better be real careful when we say stuff like that. We're just kind of opening the avenue for the devil to come in. You say, is that wrong? That's thinking too highly of ourselves. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be where all them other people are. If it wasn't for the grace of God, my home would be a wreck. If it wasn't for the grace of God, my children would be somewhere. I don't even know where they are, but they're here tonight. And my wife's here tonight. And I love her and she loves me. And it's the grace of God. I want to keep the door. My question tonight is who's keeping the door? For the church? For the children? Because of the adversary? Because of the attacks of evil? And because of the allurements of this world? Somebody better keep the door. I'm going to tell you something. Especially you men, you hear me. We can't get all high and mighty and think we can keep the door all by ourselves. It don't work. Your flesh is going to get exhausted. Can I put in a line right here? I feel the Lord telling me to. Don't do the daddy no good to keep the door if the mama's going to open it when he steps away. There better be some agreement about what will and will not go on in the house. What ought to do? What ought to be done? And what ought not to be done? If Daddy says it's wrong, Mama ought to agree it's wrong. Well, there ought to be some conversations. It not ought to go on in front of the children, but behind closed doors in your bedroom. You ought to sit down and bow on your knees together and say, "God, tell me what's right. Show me what's wrong. Help me to keep the line. Help me to keep agreement. Husbands all support their wives. Wives all support their husbands, and they ought to raise their children together in one mind and one." Accord, and they ought to keep the door together. As big and bad as we think we are sometimes, and I'm saying we, I'm as good as the next person. 
As big and bad as we think we are sometimes, I can't keep the door all by myself. There are days my flesh is weak. There are days my strength is gone. But thank God for a while that God's given me and that when I can't hold the door, I'm glad she will. And that's the way it ought to be. Not saying we have a perfect home, not by any stretch of the imagination. We're flesh just like everybody else. And I'm going to tell you, thank God, it works. If you'll do it in agreement, it works. If you'll do it in its place, it works. If you'll do it in God's order, it will work for somebody that I keep the door. Yes, sir, brother. So I want to ask you tonight, who's keeping the door? To keep in what precious things God has entrusted us with and blessed us with. And to keep out all that that would seek to destroy and to kill and to steal. Who tonight will keep the door? As we stand all over the house, I'm done.